This is Sam Anderson, lead pastor at Central Church. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. So uh, this morning we're talking about the resurrection. Surprise! Um, it's going to be... It's going to be awesome, but I want to start off by talking about uh, myself a little bit. Um, so when I was, I don't know, I don't know if it was when I was 10 or 11 or 12 or 7 or 8 or 9, I, I don't know. I, I don't know when it was, but ex- at some point in my life, there was this transition that took place in my head where girls went from being like friends and buddies and teammates and having cooties and all of these sorts of things, right? There was some sort of transition that took place where girls went from that to something else altogether. I don't, I, I don't know how to put it into words, except that like just one day, I don't remember what day, but like I had a friend that was a girl that got off of her bike and all of a sudden like it was in slow motion. And like her hair was blowing in the wind and I was like, huh? Wow, huh? Like what, did you, can you get back on your bike and do that again? Like what? What happened there, right? There was this transition that took place in my life, and for you, maybe it was boys or girls or whatever, but for me, I, I, there was a point where girls went from being girls that were my friends to, uh, you know, having, having, no, I went from having friends that were girls to wanting girlfriends, right? And nothing changed as far as it was still me and it was still my friend and whatever. The only thing that shifted was sort of my perspective, I'm guessing, you know, like my, my, my view of things. Because, you know, slow motion music, like that didn't actually start playing. I heard that, but it wasn't actually happening. And the wind wasn't blowing her hair in slow motion. It just, it, something shifted in my head. And it was still me, it was still them, but everything was absolutely different from that moment forward. Did, did anyone else go through some sort of experience in that way? No, I'm the only one. The rest of you are lying in church on Easter. Guys, lying in church is one thing, but on Easter, come on. Uh, listen, my vision changed, my perspective shifted, my worldview was transformed. And like I said, I don't know if this was 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, who knows. But listen, I believe this morning, the stuff that we're talking about, the same type of transition can happen for you in your interaction and relationship with God. I think that the things that we're talking about this morning can be one of those moments where you don't look at it the same ever again. That you don't really approach it the same ever again. Because the resurrection changes everything. The resurrection changes everything. And so this morning we're going to talk a little bit about that. Because in light of the, of, of, of the resurrection, I believe that it can change the way that we interact with God. I think it can change the way we interact with people. I think it can change the way that we view God. And I'm not talking just if you've never been to church before, you're hearing this for the first time. I'm talking to, to the Bible-thumping, pew-hopping, whatever, people who have been in church forever. If we can wrap our head around the perspective that we're going to talk about this morning, I believe that it can change everything for you, too. This is not just like a, oh, new believer service, hallelujah, glory to God. No, no, no. This is for everybody, myself included. If we can continue wrapping our heads around this idea of the resurrection and what that means to us as Christ followers, it can change literally everything. And so what I want to do is I want to pray together, and then we'll jump right into it. Cool? I got three head nods. So me and three other people are, are cool with it. Anybody else cool with it? Yeah? Okay. All right, we're cool with it. All right, let's pray. 
God, thank you so much. Thank you so much for this morning. Thank you so much for the time we get to spend in your word. Thank you for the time we got to spend singing songs of praise and adoration to you. Thank you for the amazing donuts and coffee we got to have before church and the fellowship. Thank you for all of that. Thank you for the freedom we have to pursue a relationship with you. God, I pray this morning that, that as we draw near to you, as your word says, you will draw near to us. I pray that you would make us good soil for the seeds that will be cast today and that it will produce fruit and life in us. I pray you'd soften our hearts, you'd open our minds, you'd make us receptive to what you have today. God, we love you, we praise you, we adore you. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. So two nights ago, uh, we had a service in here uh, on Friday night. It was a good Friday service, and it was incredibly powerful. If you missed it, I'm sorry. It's one of my favorite things that we do here as a church. And I know I say that a lot, but there are like three or four things that are like really for real my favorite things we do. One of them is our Good Friday service. One of them is our Christmas Eve service that we do is absolutely incredible. One of them is the chili cook-off. Can I get an amen on that? Yes, our chili cook-off is one of my favorite things we do. And then actually next week, Spring Jam is another one of my favorite things uh, that we do here at Central. We're having just a big party after our, our second, well, you guys are the second service. We're having a big party after church uh, next week. And we do a cakewalk. How many of you guys know what a cakewalk is? Yeah, yeah. If you grew up in like an old school church, you know what a cakewalk is. That was their idea of children's ministry. Um, but I love it. It's so great. You get to like play musical chairs and walk away with a cake. What's better, right? So we're doing all that kind of stuff next week. It's going to be great. But this past Friday, we had a Good Friday service where we really focused on the suffering and the crucifixion, the death of Christ. And it was a really heavy, you know, powerful time where we just kind of reflected on that and the gravity of that and what that means. And uh, it, was, it was really powerful. So I want to thank all the people who made that happen, the band and the people who came up here. We read through the scriptures, the account of the trial and the mistrial and the, the false accusations and the crucify him, crucify him, give us Barabbas, the whole deal. Read through all of that. It was super, super powerful. Um, but I told you at the end of that evening, I said, you know, that is only half the story. Right? I said, come back on Sunday because it doesn't end in the tomb. It doesn't end with Jesus dying and death, having victory, and that's it. And we thought this guy was going to be awesome, but then he died, and that was it. Right? That's not how the story goes. I said, come back on Sunday because today is Easter. This is where we celebrate the second half of the story. This is where we celebrate the resurrection. This is where we celebrate life. This is where we celebrate hope. But here's the deal. Our story starts even before Good Friday. Our story really starts around Christmas time. Now, how many of you guys like Christmas? I, okay, man, we got a bunch of, like, Christmas haters in here. What's the deal? How many of you guys like Christmas? Okay. Anytime I can talk about Christmas, I'm going to talk about it. It's Easter, I'm talking about Christmas, okay? Christmas is the best. But Christmas is when this whole thing starts because we talk about it back then. We talked about how uh, Christmas is like the incarnation of Christ, right? Emmanuel, meaning God with us. We say it's like God in a bod, right? Jesus comes into earth, uh, puts on flesh. It's God in a bod. Do you guys get that? God in a body? That's funny. That's good stuff. You guys are like, oh, lame. It's a dad joke. I'm a dad. Get over it. Um, but God puts on flesh, and it's this incarnation thing. It's the sweet baby Jesus as outlined in Talladega Nights. It's, it's all biblical, and it's all there. So that's sort of what happens, right? Jesus shows up. When this happens, when this happens, it's the fulfillment of the old covenant, 
Now, the Old Covenant is like the Old Testament. It's like the first, like, this much of your Bible is the Old Testament that goes through and tells the story of the Israelites and the Hebrews and all these different things. All of those books point to this moment. Jesus showing up. The incarnation. Emmanuel. God with us. Sweet baby Jesus. Right? It all, all points to that. When Jesus shows up, it's the fulfillment of the Old Testament, and there's a new way to do things. God show, Jesus shows up and says, hey guys, listen, it used to be about temples and high church and sacrifices and all these different deals and all that. Listen, now it's not. Now it's through me. He says, I'm the new way to do this stuff. I'm the new way that you have communion with God, you have a relationship with God. It's through me, Jesus. And so he comes and he lives his life and he does his ministry and, uh, you know, he like heals the blind man, heals the sick girl, raises Lazarus, turns water to wine, all those different things, right? He does all these different miracles, does his public ministry, and all of that is outlined in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. When you're reading your Bible and you're like, man, I just want to learn about Jesus. It's the Gospels. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So the whole first part of the Bible is all pointing to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then, boom, Jesus is here, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He has a public ministry. He does all this stuff. And then towards the end of those books is where we come to this time that we talked about on Friday, this Good Friday where he's falsely accused, he's falsely uh, sentenced, and he goes through torture and persecution and death on a cross. And at this point in the story, if you're reading through, you're thinking, dang, the bad guy's actually winning this story. This is nuts. They, it, Jesus actually loses, but that's not the deal, because then three days later, and I shared this in our first service, this part always reminds me of Ludacris. It always goes back to Ludacris. Do you guys know who Ludacris is? He's like a rapper from like the late 90s, early 2000s. You guys are like, I th surely thought you were talking about a more religious Ludacris than that. No. Um, this guy, Ludacris, he, in the song where he was with Missy Elliott, and um, <laughs> it'll come together. And he's, and he's, he's in there, and, and his, at the beginning of his verse, he's talking about, um, you know, he stepped out the club and ten and a half gators, but he's like, you know, three years, or ten years later, stepped out the club and ten and a half gators, you, you feel me? I feel like that when I read this about Jesus. Three days later, stepped out the tomb at ten and a half gate. Y'all feel me? No? Not so much? Okay. Uh, I had someone tell me between the services, they were like, you should make a, a, a ludicrous cover album and call it Ludicristian and like make it about Jesus. I'm like, that's not a bad idea, actually. And they're like, no, yes, it is a bad idea. I was joking. Um, but I feel, you know, so, so Good Friday happens, torture, persecution, all this stuff. Three days later, stepped out the tomb, and Jesus raises from the dead. He conquers sin and death. It's the resurrection. It takes place, right? And so this new covenant is fulfilled. Jesus' mission is now completed. The whole time Jesus was on earth, everything was pointing to this. He wasn't surprised by this. He wasn't off-put by this. He was telling people about it the whole time, and they're like, and it like wasn't computing, it wasn't, they weren't understanding what he was talking about, and finally it's like, you will see, it's coming, you will see, it's coming. And so Jesus dies on the cross, and he raises from the dead, okay? When he does this, it's the fulfillment of this new sort of covenant that was being made, right? It used to be, it used to be God in the temple, God in the temple, this is who we're sort of uh, relating with, this is how we interact with God. And then it becomes God in a bod, Jesus is here. This is the new way you're interacting. This is the new way you have a relationship with God. This is the way to the Father, right, through me. Jesus says all this. But then at the resurrection, it starts something new again. It starts something new again. No longer is it God in the temple through sacrificial atonement and all these other things. No longer is it God in the temple. And not even the main focus is God in a bod. That's part of it. But now it's God in 
us. Guys, that's huge. That's a game changer. That changes everything. It changes everything having to do with it. It changes it all. The reason that the resurrection is such a big deal is this. The resurrection is the inaugural act for inclusion of humanity into the relationship and ministry of God. I know that's a big statement. That's why I had them put it up on the screen. The resurrection is the inaugural act for inclusion of humanity into the relationship and ministry of God. Basically what that means, the resurrection includes us in the story of God. The resurrection includes us in the ministry of God. It's the beginning of this inclusion. See, after the resurrection, Jesus uh, appears to a bunch of people, and, you know, Thomas touches his wounds to make sure that he's real, and he appears to the disciples in the upper room and all these different things, and then he ascends into heaven in front of mass crowds, and all this stuff happens. But before Jesus dies, before Jesus dies, uh, he's talking to his disciples, and again, he's laying it out there. He's like, yo, I'm taking off. I'm going away. I'm dying. This thing's coming, and they're like, oh, I don't get it. And so he lays this out there, and he says this in John chapter 16, verse 7. He says, but I tell you the truth. It is for your own good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus is talking to his people and he's saying, listen, it's going to be better than if I am actually physically here. It's going to be better than that. I mean, how many times have we thought, man, if Jesus was just here, I could say, look, it's Jesus. See? Like, it's Jesus. This, this thing's real. It can happen. It's, look, I have Jesus. But when Jesus is here, he's like, no, like, like, like yeah, that, that's dope, I'm here, it's cool, whatever. But it's going to be even better than that. It's going to be even better than if I were to stay here with you. He says, I'm going away, but something better is coming. The Holy Spirit is coming to empower you. Something so much better is coming. And Jesus is saying that the empowerment of the Holy Spirit supersedes the physical presence of Jesus. Do you, do you hear that? The power of the Holy Spirit that we are able to experience in the here and now, Jesus is saying that's even better for you than if I were to stay here forever and like be King Jesus here on earth. He's saying it's a bigger deal. It's more powerful. It can do more things. It's, it's incredible, right? And so here's the deal. Because of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, you know what that means? That means that we are included, that we are part of the relationship, that we are part of the community that is the divine dance of God. See, here's the deal. If, you, if you've been in church a while, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, your mind may explode, but just deal with it, okay? The Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're all God, but they're all separate, right? Three separate persons, one in essence. If you don't get it, that's fine. We can have a longer conversation later. We cover it in CC 101 as well, okay? But this, there's this relationship. The idea here is that there is a community within God. There's a relational community within God of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And they are all in relationship with one another forever existing, right? At the resurrection, we become part of that relationship. We become part of that community. It's no longer God is over there and we make sacrifices and we worship him at the temple and we learn about him from a distance, right? The old covenant. It's no longer that we go to God like, like Jesus is the mediator, he's the bridge, he's all that. He is, but that's not the only way that we interact, right? Now, it's this idea that through Jesus, we can have the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in us. Part of that communal relationship is now inside of us. Therefore, we are introduced into that. 
We are part of the mission and vision and ministry of God. Us. And not just us, meaning me and a bunch of my pastor friends. Us, meaning you guys. Meaning you, the teacher, you, the engineer, you, the doctor, you, the student, you, the whatever it is that you do. You, the barista. You are part of the ministry of God. Not just me. Not just you. All of us. The resurrection made that possible. The resurrection made that happen. And so that's why it's such a big, big deal. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. That portion right there that says a royal priesthood, that's a big deal. Because when, when, when 1 Peter is writing this to the first century people who are reading this and listening to this, the idea is back in the day, the only people that could communicate with God were the kings and the priests. They were the ones, and you had to go to them, and the kings even had to go through the priests to get to God, right? And so these are the only ones that were powerful enough, that had enough authority, that had enough uh, position, social position, socioeconomic position, the whole deal. They were the only ones that could commune with God. And so when they're writing this and talking about us, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, it means that we have the power, the authority of kings and priests to approach God. We're in the picture, we're in the story, we're in the community, we're in the relationship. That's a really big deal. It changes everything. It changes everything. And so here's the deal, though. Just because you're not serving in a church on stage, just because you're not leading a church, just because you're not working in a church, doesn't mean that you're not just as equally important and valuable and vital to the family of God, to the body of Christ. All of us have equal position in this relationship. All of us have equal power and authority in this relationship. All of us have equal access in this relationship. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Verses 12 through 27. It's a long passage, but I'm going to read the whole thing. I put it up on the screen so you can follow along as well. If you need to take a little nap, this is the time to do it, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, it says this. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they are from one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free. We were all given the one spirit to drink. Real quick, that's a huge deal that he says neither Jews or Greeks or slave or free because that was totally social taboo. And what he's saying here is everybody is included in the body of Christ. Everybody. But even those people? Yeah, even those people. But wait, I know you mean everybody but them. The, them. No, even them. Slave, free, Greek, Jew, all of them. Everybody has access to the power of the Holy Spirit in the body of Christ. He says, now the body is not made up of some part but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not the hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not a, an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? Guys, that's a joke. That's funny. That's him being a little like, hey, being a little slick with it, right? He's saying, oh yeah, if my whole body was an eye, where would the ear be? Right? He said, if the whole body was a sense of hearing, if, if the whole body, where am I? If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? It, as it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, this is huge, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. 
and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to those parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body. You hear that? There should be no division in the body. There should be no division in the body. Sorry, I'm skipping here. There should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. You are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And not one of you can say to the other, you're more important than anybody else. Not one of you can say to the other that your job is more important than anybody else's job, or that your role in the church is more important than anybody else's role in the church. Yeah, I'm the guy that gets up here and gets to talk at you, but do you know how many people are back there and investing in the kids that are back there? Do you know how important of a job that is? Do you know how important it is for the people who get here early? Like Don, where's Don? My man Don here for the last eight years that I've been here gets here before anybody else and makes coffee every single Sunday for everybody. Do you know how important that role is? That's huge. Don's going to kill me afterwards because he's like, Brother Sam, don't talk about me like that in front of people. You know, but I mean, that's the reality of it. The, the, the people checking in the kids, the people holding the doors, people helping you park your cars. All of those are equally important to make Sunday morning happen. All of it. All of it. Without, without my, my, my weird brother up there, you wouldn't be able to hear me because he's the one controlling my mic. I can call him weird because he's my little brother. I can do that. You know? But without him, this doesn't happen. Without the people changing the batteries, without the people turning on the speakers, without, I mean, all of that, there is no job greater than any other job. There is no responsibility greater than any other responsibility. We are all part of the body of Christ, and every single one of us is so vitally important to that. But because of the resurrection, listen, this is what's so crazy. Because of the resurrection, we are the physical representation of Christ here, now. Rather than having one physical manifestation of Jesus, he's in all of us to go all the places that we go and have all the conversations that we have and do all the things that we do and impact all the people that we impact. We take that with us. We take our, our, our being part of the body of Christ with us in all that we do and all that we are. And so it's important for us to understand that. It's important for us to understand that as a result of the resurrection, we are now the physical representation of Christ. Christ is in us. God is in us. Not temple God, not God in a body, God in us. That's the way that God has chosen to manifest himself among humanity, in us. And so it's important for us to understand and to kick some of these preconceived ideas that we have from maybe church or from tradition or whatever it is. You know, God is not a, uh, a, uh, some sort of like cosmic scorekeeper, Okay. God is not some kind of cosmic scorekeeper that you need to walk on eggshells around. Like, oh, got to make sure my robe is white, crystal clean, hallelujah, glory to God. He's not waiting there with lightning bolts to, like, smite you when you mess up. Do you understand that? Because so often that's the, the MO of so many churches that God's there just waiting for you to mess up so that he can just, got him, got him, <laughs> right? That's, that's the idea. That is not God. God does not live in the altars of a building. Do you hear that? God's presence isn't thicker here than it is at Target. Okay? Well, maybe, because Target is the lair of Satan. But 
just takes all my money. I don't know how it happens. My wife goes to get milk, and then my bank account is empty. I don't understand it. That and Joanne Fabrics, those are the two layers of Satan on earth, I believe. But anyway, the presence of God is not thicker in a building or, you know, just because you hang crucifixes and burn incense and do all this stuff. The presence of God does not dwell in any man-made establishment. That's not the way that it works, right? The presence of God is not there. God is not strictly experiential. You can't go and have this Holy Ghost moment and think, oh man, that was so powerful. And then when the fit hits the shan in real life... That experience ain't going to do it for you. Oh, i got to get back in church so I can get refilled because life is hard. Let me go get refilled and then life sucks and then refilled and then life sucks. That's not the way it works. God is not strictly experiential. God is relational. Because you know what's going to get you through those tough times? A relationship with God that's inside of you, not an experience that you had on a Sunday morning. That's huge. It changes everything. The resurrection changes everything. God is not some, you know, cosmic, eternal concierge waiting you to check you in to heaven or hell, right? God is not like a, a supernatural Santa Claus where he's checking his list, you know, making a list, checking it twice, finding out if you're naughty or nice. Oh, you are naughty. You're going to hell. <laughs> oh, okay. You help that old lady. You can go to heaven. But you, you're going to hell. <laughs> That's not God, man. And I know that so many of our preconceived ideas and so many pictures that the church has painted in the past. Listen, God is not something other, something distant, something far away, something disconnected, something irrelevant. That's not God. It's not this cosmic distance between the two of you like, like our relationship to the sun. We know the sun's there. The sun gives us heat. We, we see the effects of the sun. We get sunburned, everything. But we never have any real actual intimate connection or interaction with the sun, right? That's not how God is. But so often we view God that way. He's some cosmic other that, yeah, he's impactful and, you know, like a puppet master kind of deal, I guess. But we never actually have interaction with him. That's not the way that it works. Listen, God is in us. As a result of the resurrection, God is in us. God knows us. God cares about us. You know why he cares about us? Because he's in us. He's part of us. He's part of what's happening. He is intricately involved in our lives because he's in us. The resurrection caused that. The resurrection made that possible. It's not something of these other crazy ideas. God is in us, and this changes everything because now the church building and the altar time is not what's sacred and not solely sacred. You know what's sacred? A conversation with a friend. You know what's sacred? Getting coffee with someone whose marriage is falling apart. You know what's sacred? Visiting someone in the hospital when they're sick. You know what's sacred? Bringing a meal to a new mother who just had a baby so her, she doesn't have to cook and that family doesn't have to cook for a week. That's sacred. What's sacred is conversation. What's sacred is everything that you are involved in because God is inside of you. You don't have to go to a church to experience the sacred. You can experience anywhere on the planet except for Joanne's and Target. I'm kidding, <laughs> kind of. But it changes everything, man. God's not there to strike you down. I talk about this all the time, and this is where the original ludicrous reference comes from. But God wants us to have this sort of dance relationship with him, where he's the lead and we're the follow. He wants it to be that intimate of a relationship. In Galatians, where it talks about keeping in step with the Spirit, it's not keeping in step with the Spirit marching orders. It's keeping in step with the Spirit as a dance. And as the Holy Spirit leads... We follow. When I move, you move. 
Just like that, when I move, you move. Just like that, hey, tell her, Luda Christian, it's coming. 2020, 2020. <laughs> but God wants to dance with you. He doesn't want to strike you down, man. It changes everything. God is not some genie in a bottle that when things go rough and things get tough, then we find time for God. You know, when things are starting to fall apart, then we run to God. No, listen, God wants a relationship with you. He wants to lead and you follow. And the top of the hills and the lowest valleys, no matter what you're going through, God wants to be there because God is in you. God wants relationship with you. It changes everything when we realize that God desires intimacy. God desires relationship. God desires conversation. God desires community. God desires this from us. God desires that with us. He's not something other. He's something in here. The resurrection changes all of it. And so maybe you're in here this morning and you're hearing this and you're going, wait a second. Wait a second. So that means, okay, and then that, okay. And you're kind of processing it. You're kind of taking it in. Maybe you're in here this morning for the first time or the first time in a long time. And, you know, you, you're like, ah, it's, it's Easter. I guess, I guess I'll go check out the church, you know. Seems like the thing to do or whatever. Maybe, maybe you've been looking. Maybe you've been searching. Maybe you've been lost. Maybe you've been hopeless. Maybe you don't know where else to turn. And if this is you this morning, I am so glad that you took a chance and came here. I'm so glad. I'm so thankful. I'm so humbled that God would send you here. I'm so glad that the awesome people of this church have created a community that you can come in and realize that you're not going to combust in flames, right? I had a guy uh, come to our church, I don't know, four or five Six weeks ago, something like that. It was the first time he'd ever been in a church ever. And I walked in, I walked up to him, I was like, hey man, what's up? And he's like, hey, what's up? And he says, thank you. And he go, I go, so, uh, you know, what brings you here? He goes, well, I'm actually texting my friend right now, telling him I actually did not burst into flames when I walked in. And he was like straight up dead serious. Like, I'm, no jokes, right? So if this is the first time here, or first time in a long time, and you're feeling lost, you're feeling like whatever, I, I, I'm honored that God has brought you here. I want to applaud your courage to, to, to actually take the step to come, but I also want to invite you to join with me and join with these guys and join with many of these guys in our pursuit of Jesus, you know? I want to invite you to continue to join us in our pursuit of Jesus. Is it going to be hard at times? Yeah. Is it going to be weird at times? Yeah. Is it going to be fun at times? Yeah, it is, but I want to invite you to continue to follow Jesus with us. Because that's how we kind of define, define ourselves and describe ourselves and, and operate here, right? We don't define ourselves by the parameters. You've got to fit inside of this box to be part of our crew. The way that we define ourselves, we put Jesus at the middle, and we're chasing after that. If you want to chase after that too, come on with it. Let's do it. Oh, but you got this, that, and the other. That's okay. It'll work itself out as you pursue Jesus. The closer you get to Jesus, it'll work itself out. Not my job to work it out for you. It's not this church's job to work it out for you. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. That's the job of Jesus. He'll, he'll make that happen. Not me to sit here and say, well, you need to do this, that, and the other, and you can't live with that, and you can't think and believe that. Jesus will work all that out. The Holy Spirit will work that out. If you're chasing him, it'll work itself out. But I want to invite you, if you're new around here, to join us in that pursuit, man. We're chasing after Jesus, doing the best we can. If you're in here, maybe, you know, you feel like God is the great eternal punisher, right? Maybe it's the way you've been raised. Maybe that's your worldview, your perspective of God and, and he's just looking to catch you slipping at all times, you know, just waiting for you to stub your toe and say the F word, then he's going to kill you and then you got to go to hell. I believe that my whole life, man. 
But like if I stubbed my toe and said a swear word, it was going to send me to hell. Maybe your relationship with God is full of fear and anxiety and guilt and shame and pressure and all of these things. And guys, that's not God. Jesus says, man, my yoke is, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. That's, that's not God. If you feel like you're guilted and shamed into following him, that's, 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 not, that's not it. That's not it. That's not it. And if this is you, I want you to know that God wants to dance with you. He doesn't want you to follow marching orders. He's not waiting to smite you. He wants to dance with you. When I move, you move. Just like that, when I move, you move. That's the relationship that God wants to have with you. Maybe you're in here this morning, and God feels like a church thing. You've got this dichotomy of, like, real life and church life. And God hangs out at church, and I hang out over here. And every once in a while, I go over here, and then I come back. And then I go over here, and I come back. But God stays over here. Listen, listen. God is in you. When you accept Jesus, when you say, yo, let's do this thing. There's no magical word or formula. But when you say, God, I'm yielded to you. I want relationship with you. I'm putting you at the center and chasing after it. That's what I'm going to do. The Holy Spirit takes up residence in you. And when that happens, guys, everything is sacred. Your conversations are sacred. Your interactions with your spouse are sacred. Your com- everything, your conversations at the grocery store with the cash teller can be a sacred moment where God is working and God is moving and God is expanding his kingdom and changing hearts and changing lives in the middle of Kroger. That can happen. I want to encourage you with that. Maybe you're in here this morning and you do feel like God's a genie in a bottle. And maybe you're kind of wrapping your head around the idea that, oh yeah, well maybe this is a bit of a lopsided relationship and I only come to him when I got problems and there's not really any conversation or growth taking place. Listen, if this is you this morning, I want to encourage and challenge you to yield to his lead. When he leads, follow. Don't just come to him with trouble. Say, God, things are pretty good right now, but I want to keep in step with you always, always. Maybe you're in here and God feels distant feels removed, he feels cosmic, he feels irrelevant, disconnected. If this is you, listen, God desires intimacy with you. God desires relationship and community and conversation with you. He's invited you into the divine dance that is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He's invited you into that relationship. He wants to walk with you in that relationship. And so what we've done this morning, as we've carved out a little bit of time, they're going to sing one more song. And it's to give you guys an opportunity to do some business with God. It's to give you an opportunity, wherever you fall in this spectrum of your faith journey, wherever you fall, whatever God's doing in your heart and in your life, if you feel, if you're working through the eternal punisher deal, if you're working through the the God is just a church thing deal, if you're working through the genie in the bottle deal, if you're working through, this is my first time back or this is my first time here, I'm thinking about getting on board, whatever you're working through, we believe the Holy Spirit can meet you right where you are. And he can do some powerful stuff this morning. This can be one of those moments where she got off the bike and it was... It can be like that for your view of God and your understanding of who God is. It can be a thing where like, oh, you mean it's not that way? Oh, you mean, oh, you mean, oh, oh. It can be that for you this morning. And so we want to give you the opportunity to do that. So let's pray together. God. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, inspired you, and you experience life change. If you are unable to attend our Sunday gatherings but still want to support this faith community, visit our giving page at centralchurch.cc. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes.